Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hiya. Today I'm joined by the wonderful Richard Orchard Rowe, who has specifically asked me to describe him as an LGBTQ adoption activist and a huge throbbing fan of the show. I was very happy to have him on to tell his story, so we basically just throbbed together. Excellent introduction. Off we go. This is Probably True, stories of queer life and even queerer sex. Please be aware that this podcast contains strong language and adult themes. It would be boring without them. From a very, very young age, I knew that I wanted to be a parent, and as I was struggling with my sexuality I wasn't struggling it was the other guys that were struggling (laughs) (laughs) Um, but as I was sort of coming to terms with my sexuality and starting to think about whether this was not a phase not a, a thing it was a real life situation a big factor that was keeping me very comfortable in that closet was the fact that I wanted to have children and in my mind I had it in my head that if I came out that was almost signing away my opportunity to have children and for a long while that was a big enough reason to continue living a life of a lie because I desperately wanted children it was like do you know what I can forego this happiness for that happiness oh uh, yeah <laughs> but then in the end dudes won out <laughs> and, <Yay. laughs> and I was like no do you know what I'm I'm coming out so I, I burst from the closet at 19 and sort of started exploring what that actually looked like I remember talking to my best friend at the time and talking to her about those fears and anxieties and how sad I was that I couldn't have a family to which she got very very cross with me and she told me that that was absolutely ridiculous to cut out a dream just for this I said I don't think that being gay is a choice but it is my choice to be open and it is my choice to actually go down that road I don't think it's fair to then put that upon a child and she said you know what kids get bullied fat thin ginger glasses no glasses she said it doesn't matter what they're gonna get bullied she said your job is to give them the strength to stand up against those bullies I was like that's some pretty sound logic so the idea sort of started to stay in the back of my mind that it could happen. Over the next few years, I explored my new life as a gay man and, and had a lot of fun. I got into a long-term relationship and we were really having a great time. But then it became apparent that he definitely didn't want children and would never want children. And I said, you know, this is actually a real big thing for me. So that, that caused us to drift apart. and subsequently end he was very sad about that obviously (laughs) how old were you at that point so i was probably about 21 roughly so still very young so you decided very early on that you wanted to have kids yeah it was it was almost like um 
I'm, I'm going to call it a calling as cheesy as that sounds it was it was like no this is something I have to do this is a part of what I've got to offer and I then moved into a new relationship with my husband spoilers sorry <laughs> and we got together and I let him know that the previous relationship had ended because children was definitely not on the cards he sort of talked to me and said it's not something i thought about in the past but hey do you know what i'd be open to it let's see how we get on first and we then spent a couple of years together and had a lovely romance building and we were just enjoying being together and there was a sort of slim part of me thinking ah is he going to go back on this and Yeah. But then he started talking about it after we got engaged and sort of said, you know, I'm I'm still considering that. That's still an option for us. I was like, excellent. (laughs) And then a couple of months later, he said, you know what? The process, the adoption process is going to take years, like sort of two, three years. Why don't we get it started now? We'll then get sort of two to three years of married life before we start a family. I was like, that's that's a brilliant idea. We were offered surrogacy from some friends very tom daly tom daly is your friend and he offered to be your surrogate that's he amazing did. he said hey guys let me do this for you i was like tom no you you need to keep the flat stomach for the diving so i told him no <laughs> um, but we were off it i said you know what for for me i want to be a parent so so much that if i want it that much why not be a parent to a child that is already out there that already needs a home why create a new child why not just take one that actually needs it we went to our information event very sheepish looking around thinking oh we're definitely the only gays here definitely is this an issue and it genuinely wasn't it was such a non-item people just didn't care at all we sort of spoke to a couple of social workers and was like we are definitely gays you know we are gays (laughs) is this an issue and they was like no, we need some gays. Come on in. <laughs> oh, thank God you're ticking those diversity boxes. We haven't got any for the brochure. <laughs> when we came into the process, I wanted a two-year-old because I wanted to have as young a child as possible that had gone through as minimal trauma as possible because then it's easier to fix them. Then I can kind of make a mini-me <laughs> and they wouldn't have learned all of these bad habits. They can all be trained to be a mini version of myself which is perfect right is that what you said to the adoption agency yeah that's word you... for word yeah. <laughs> that's my reasoning now my other half's reason he wanted a four-year-old he's reasoning and this he did say to the agency he was like i want a four-year-old because that's when they start to become real people uh <laughs> and they'll actually talk to you I was like, bold good <laughs> we started our process And it was nine, ten years ago that we were going through our process. And it was looking like it would take sort of 18 months to two years. And as we started, we went to what's called preparation training, which is a compulsory course that you go on to learn how to parent adopted children. It's not a parenting classes. It's helping you to understand some of the difficulties that you might face, some of the challenges and what you can do to overcome those and what supports available. At this training course, they announced that there was a social worker coming along to talk to us about older children that were waiting for homes. And I was like, yeah, it's a bit of a waste of my time, really, isn't it? And I was I was really very stubborn. I did not want to listen to that bit. And this lady came in and it was 
she was the lady that had been really nice to us at our information events. I was like, ah, oh, fine, I'll listen. <laughs> and she gave a really good spiel. And then she showed some video clips of some children that were waiting. And she showed this little boy playing on the playground. And he, he looked really cute. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's, that's nice. But my heartstrings aren't pulled. No, I'm fine. Then they showed this little girl. She was really camera shy and really struggling. I was like, next, not bothered. Uh, (laughs) And then they showed this other little boy um, who was desperately trying to click his fingers, but failing miserably. And someone off camera said, where are you? And he said, I'm in my den. At which point I hit my other half. I went, that's the one. I, I want him. And that was the first inkling that we got of meeting our son you could have just got your own den you didn't (laughs) i know but i i wanted it (laughs) so what was it about this one about we make it sound like a a puppy you got from the pound but never mind (laughs) what was it about this little this little scribble Uh, do you know what it's i'm asked that a lot and i have no answer for it it was just there was something about just the way that he presented the way he held himself the cheekiness that was behind his smile and you just looked and was like you are going to be so much trouble you are literally going to be a nightmare but (laughs) how awesome is that and harry was almost like putting on a show for the camera there was just something that just triggered and it was just like i the whole world just went no stop talking about anything else let's just look at this one oh and he he was about to turn seven years old so he was six and a half when we first saw him which was obviously quite a lot out of our plan but we made inquiries his social worker came to visit us on the 23rd of december her opening gambit was to lay out about five photos of him and they were all adorable and i was like well that's not fair because i'm not going to listen to a word you say now (laughs) (laughs) she then presented and talked to us about sort of some of his history some of his difficulties some of the challenges and all the while i live up in the clouds i i'm away with the fairies and i just sort of i'm very much a yes man i'm like yeah sure it's fine whereas my heart is a lot more grounded and sensible so as they're going you know we've got this 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 i'm sitting there going yeah that's fine whereas he's going "Mm, should we listen should we just stop for a second and listen as they sort of left i was like you know this is really really awesome he said to me look we need to stop we need to think about this we need to really understand can we meet this child's needs because at the time he was our agency's one of our agency's most difficult child to place because of his needs and because of his age as well i was like yeah no we can do it we can do it but he helped me to just center myself and realize that we we needed to just take a moment to think about it and then on Christmas morning, I opened a book that was 101 Stories for Boys. He was like, I thought that you could read this to little dude. Aww. I was like, is that you saying that we can have him? <laughs> he was like, yeah, let, let's go for it. Aww. I know. And it was literally, there were tears everywhere. It was a sobbing disaster, but it was, it was so lovely. <laughs> And and yeah, we then we were fast tracked because of his age and we were sort of put through the process a lot quicker. And then little dude moved in with us. He moved in with us two weeks before he turned seven. And we then experienced a whirlwind experience of becoming parents. We had a crash course in parenting. Uh, We went from zero to seven (laughs) with an attitude. (laughs) And he was he was brilliant. And we had our honeymoon period, which was amazing. 
And then before we knew it, we were parents. And now we're nine years down the line. He's almost 16 year old. He's finishing his GCSEs and he is nothing short of outstanding. He is a wicked young man. I help and support deliver training to prospective adopters and he will attend either virtually or sometimes physically. He'll do video recordings to tell people what it's like to be an adoptee and to help other adopters as well. And he throws himself out there to just help educate people on the world of adoption. And it's just been an absolutely amazing adventure for us. For me, I had this dream and I had this vision of being a parent. And this experience of actually being a parent has actually overtaken any expectation. And it's just been so much more cool than I thought it would. So it's been amazing. Yay. <laughs> yeah. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This is a promo for The Astrolic Explains. A podcast where I, Chris, a non-scientist, ask astronomy questions. And I, Alfredo, as the astroholic, try my best to answer them. So, Doctor, what are black holes? Why is Pluto not a planet? What's up with the sun's poles? Why does Jupiter want us dead? Is Betelgeuse going supernova? How is the universe going to end? Can we hitch a ride on an asteroid? Is there Chris, life- this is a 30-second promo. You can find The Astroholic Explains on all your favourite apps or follow at The Astroholic on all social media. I suppose it's a sign of the times that back then you felt you had to decide when you were 19 or 18, I suppose, before you came out, you were deciding that the happiness that came from having a family would outweigh the happiness of living your life as a gay man. That must have been heavy. Yeah. And you remember that time and the battle that you're going through, the internal battle of how will this work out? How will that? And for me, it was what am I giving up to live my life honestly? And And that was my biggest challenge at the time. It was, can I be honest and lose that? So for you then, was it that there was absolutely no way that you could have that family unit as a gay man? I guess at that age, 18, 19, I was still so young that I hadn't experienced the world to know that there were alternative options or to consider them. So at that time, yeah, it was a case of if I come out, it means that I will spend the rest of my life with a man and that'll be it. I, you know, we won't be able to reproduce. We will try, <laughs> but we won't be able to do it. <laughs> Keep trying. One day it might happen. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Were you expecting any kind of 
pushback from the adoption agency or like when you first told them you're like just so you know we are actually big wolves <laughs> me and my husband here <laughs> my roommate and i are <laughs> <laughs> how did you feel doing that was there a fear that they were gonna say i'm sorry but no my half works within HR, so was very much a case of I would bring down the letter of the law if anything comes <laughs> against us. I was like, okay, that's fine. <laughs> um, he felt confident that we might be, I'll use the word unique or in the minority, but they would still have to accept us onto the program. And I said, yeah, but there's a difference between allowing us to progress and helping us to progress. And Actually, when we came into the process, they were so, so welcoming. I've never gone through the process as a straight person, so I don't know if I was treated differently. (laughs) But looking around at our peers, we certainly didn't ever feel different. We didn't feel like we were standing out. We just felt that we were joining the community and we were prospective parents. And that's how we were being viewed. That was really exciting because... We constantly anticipated it. Driving to the training event, we was like, right, we need to make sure that we ace this course. We've got to be star pupils. So we sort of treated it as if it was like this long interview. Make sure you stand out. You know, you've got to answer all the questions. We were the only gays in the room. Of course we stood out. <laughs> but that was never good enough for us. <laughs> Give yourself homework. Make it harder than it has to be. Where's the fun otherwise? Absolutely. You know? Absolutely. It's like, <laughs> gays can do this. Let me show you. <laughs> but yeah, no, throughout the throughout the entire process, we didn't have any moment we were made to feel like, mm, are you quite sure you want to do this because you're a gay couple? We had questions about being a gay couple um we had questions of how do you think that you will help your child to understand your relationship what will you do to promote that within school and things like that but they were very logical questions um and it helped us to be able to think about it and talk it through as well have you had any feedback let's say or negative responses to people finding out that a gay couple has adopted a child we really haven't, which has been good, amazing. Excellent. Yeah. Um, again, it's one of those things that you kind of have in your head thinking, right, okay, I'll I'll have I'll have my little radar on to go, is there an issue? We've not faced it. Now, little dude, over the last nine years, he's had maybe two or three cases where children struggled with it. There was one lad in his primary school, took a real issue to it, but the school were incredible they kind of like swarmed around him and sort of built this wall of absolute beautiful protection and they got all of the male teachers to kind of talk to him about how awesome it is to have dads and how dads are much better than mums anyway (laughs) and then they really came down heavily on this lad that was struggling with it and they educated him on how different families could look sadly for him it was his family that I mean, hate is always taught, isn't it? It's 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 a learned behaviour. So they had to do a lot of work with that family. And then when little dude went to senior school, there was a, a lad that, again, took issue with it. I think, again, his family and perhaps their religion played a part in in that sort of difficult moment. But again, the school 
stepped up and re-educated they did an entire assembly on how different families could look and how do you know what diversity is great let's celebrate it let's not get scared about it they celebrated it and and they celebrated the people that were embracing it and it was like this is such a turn of events it's amazing (laughs) sort of like the the lioness comes out and you're going right who wants the fight come on (laughs) I was uh, at our son's first school. It was uh, it was a C of E school, and I was like, "No, that's fine. I've, I've got no issue." And they were talking about whether they could talk about gay people, and I'd heard that the reverend who sat on the governing body had some concerns, and I was like, "Right, let me at him." Um, and I was on the governing board as well, and we was like, "Right, let's let's go and have this discussion." And I turned up. And I'd I'd watched the uh, episode of The West Wing where Martin Sheen talks to the reporter and sort of quotes the Bible. <laughs> so I'd got this speech prepared about how I was going to belittle this priest and <laughs> throw Bible quotes at him to win this argument. And the head teacher said, hey, we'd like to sort of start talking about uh, same-sex relationships and how actually they can be positive and i'm like get all my haunches up. i'm ready come on the priest went i think this is a good idea we need to move forward i was like i had a speech <laughs> <laughs> you were robbed of your flag waving rabble rousing absolutely yeah i i had a smoke machine i had gay hits going on in the background the whole lot it's <laughs> This is a bit of a daft question, but it comes from me. I don't, I don't have kids. I've, I've only got three pairs of shoes. I can struggle to keep plants alive. I, I can't do it. Living beings. Yeah, ugh, they're just noise with dirt on them. It's horrible. Um, but anyway, was there ever a point where you thought, oh no, maybe the fantasy isn't isn't going to be what I thought it was. Maybe this isn't what I wanted after all. I mean, have there ever been points like that? Like for me, who is like super commitment phobic, I don't even have my own Netflix account. I use an ex-housemates. <laughs> Did we ever have a, a moment? Yes, 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 yes. The, the big moment for me um, was what I called the 10-hour day. Um, and I referred to this quite a bit. Um, this this was after little dude moved in with us. My half had gone back to work. The honeymoon period was over. We were settling into the life of family and starting to put some boundaries in place and starting to put some rules in place. Little dude woke up one day and decided, you know what? I need to test and I need to push. What then ensued was 10 hours of absolute horror of me getting it wrong time and time again me losing my temper him definitely losing his temper me trying all of the sort of techniques and the ideas that we'd been shown on the training and trying to put all of these things in place them looking like they might work and then going completely hideously out of out of whack and i remember sort of putting him in time out and i was like right you know what you're gonna sit you're going to sit by this door and you're just going to sit there for seven minutes and you just think about what's going on. And he was screaming the house down and he was sat next to our shoe rack. Now, whilst you said you only had three pairs of shoes, we had more. (laughs) And he started to pick up these shoes and lob them in my direction. 
and he got better and better with every throw. <laughs> and my dodge had to get better and better with every throw. And it was horrendous. I remember him really, like he was doing that high-pitched scream. He was losing control. I was I was losing control, and I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing. We kept sort of, it was going up and down, up and down, but it was it was a really horrible day absolutely horrible um and then my other half comes home things had settled down and then he acted like a poxy angel and was the world's best child my other half was like what are you talking about he's fine I said, no he's not <laughs> and they went and did bath time and i laid down on the sofa and i sobbed and I sobbed my heart out, and all the while I was sitting there, because as he was luzzing these shoes at me, screaming at me that I'm the worst daddy in the world, and social services have got it wrong. When they come to visit next, he's going to ask that they pick a different set of dads, because we were rubbish. And I'm sat there, and I'm like, he's right. I didn't know what to do. I didn't know how to deal with that. I'm the only adopter that's ever gone through this. I was useless. I didn't fix it. I'm, I've wanted this since I was 19 years old, and now look how crap I am at it. And that was a, that was a true low, low point. Um, and I was sitting there, and I was like, I've, I've let him down. I'm so crap at this that I'm actually, I, he's waited all this time. He's waited three and a half years for a family, and then I pop up and I'm crap at it. He's like, brilliant, well done. We then. I remember we put him to bed and I sort of spoke to him. I was like, hey, do you know what? Today's been pretty shit. (laughs) He's like, yep, yeah, it has. I was like, but do you know what? Tomorrow we start again. I said, we're going to reset the counter. We reset it all. I said, I don't hold a grudge. I said, you've tried to push me away as much as you could today. I'm not going anywhere. So I love you too much. I'm here. Doesn't matter. So we start again tomorrow. And I remember he went down and I I do recall that I think that there was quite a lot of wine needed that night. (laughs) (laughs) And I went to bed and in the morning, I remember being woken by this small little tentative voice. Just going, daddy, daddy. And I woke up and he was definitely out of arm's reach. And he was like, morning and he was so tentative because he was so nervous that what had happened the day before would be carried over and i dug deep and i dug deep into the (laughs) deepest confines that i could find to mask how i was feeling from the day before and think no 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 we said we'd restart and i threw my arms wide i put on the biggest smile i could and i was like good morning my darling how are you how did you sleep and i watched him sort of relax into it and we hugged and and when i talk of that day i i say that that was both our darkest day and our lightest day because what was really going on for him that day was he'd had so many tall people let him down he'd had so many tall people promise him that they'd be forever or this was going to be okay and then it wasn't and i think he was kind of sitting there going do you know what let's see because if you're gonna reject me let's get that out of the way now so as i can be sent back to my foster carers who i know and who i love let me go back and that was him doing everything he could to push us away and by us saying do you know what 
we're not going anywhere. It became our lightest day because we'd gone through it. But that was definitely my lowest point. That was definitely the point where I was like, nope, I'm not good at this. <laughs> but you are, it turns out, which is lovely. Yay. Yeah. Yay. <laughs> Bravo for me. <laughs> what would you say to someone who was in a similar position to where you were a few years ago? What I would say to someone is when we came into the process, we thought we would be alone. Now that we're nine years down the line, I think it's something like one in six adoptions that happened last year was a placement to a same-sex couple. It is on the rise and same-sex couples or same-sex single adopters are being considered as equals and as amazing. And if you've got this inkling that you think there's a part of you that thinks that you might be able to do it, jump in with both feet and find out find out go to an information event and find out because i i get to deliver my talks and talk about all of our exciting adventures but it's not because we're amazing it's not because we are individual unique or so so special we're just people we're a couple that had love to offer and in the nicest way there was nothing special about us so if there's nothing special about us but we were still able to do it and being modest We've done it well because our little man is amazing. He's obviously he's had a part to play in it. But if we can do it, so many other people can as well. There used to be this stigma that single adopters, same sex adopters, anyone on sort of the LGBTQ plus sort of range wouldn't be able to adopt. It's just not the same anymore. You're not alone. You are a part of something so much bigger and it's amazing and what you have to offer will change so many lives. So go ahead and do it. If people wanted to get in touch to ask you any questions or just generally be nosy about your life, what are your socials? Where can they find you? My podcast is called Adoption Adventures. Our socials, Instagram and Facebook, it's adoption.adventures and Twitter is adoptionadvent1. As Scott says, come at me, bro. That was Probably True, the multi-award winning storytelling podcast created to remind all of our queer siblings that we are none of us alone. If you like what you heard and you want me to keep doing it, you can support the show at patreon.com forward slash probably true. Today's complimented supporters are Logan Cheshire, who's thoughtful enough not to call you after bedtime because he wants to make sure you get plenty of sleep. And, continuing the theme, Mohammed Abbas, who's the kind of friend who'll keep an eye on you on a night out to make sure you're not drunk texting your ex. The support of wonderful, sexy, extremely attractive people like this is what keeps this podcast, and me personally, going the way we are. If you'd like a compliment of your very own, pop on over to patreon.com slash probably true and support the podcast from only a pound or a dollar or whatever per show. Although, obviously, if you did want to support it for more than a pound or a dollar, even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for fifty to eighty percent less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at fifty dollars, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com/style for free shipping and three hundred and sixty-five day returns. Or whatever, then <laughs> you're certainly very welcome to do so. Seriously. 
Okay, love you, bye.